It's about creating conversations and then sharing them. Arrow.net. A-R-R-O-E.net. All right, let's do it. Let's play it forward. These are real people, real stories, the struggle to play it forward. Episode number 467 is with Kostya Kennedy, creator of the book, True. I'm doing well. It's great to be on with you. How are you doing? Doing very well. Finally, I get to talk to the man that I've been reading about and reading with for, for many different years because, I mean, you've always been that fan first and, and you share the sports with us. And that's what I've always loved about your writing. Well, thanks so much. Well, I, that is true. I, I want I, it should be a participatory sport, uh, reading reading a book and, and engaging in it. So that's good to hear. Well, I love the idea that you put attention on Jackie Robinson because I, I own a Jackie Robinson baseball card. And, and the thing is, is that the only place where I could go to get the history most of the time was on Google. But now you give us an opportunity to go deep into the Jackie Robinson story. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I, I tried to look at it in, 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 as somebody who's been around the sport for a long time and thought about Jackie for a number of years. Um, I, I, I hope to, to give it sort of a new perspective, a new narrative into his story. Uh, it's an incredibly rich and engaging story, uh, both from an athletic standpoint, from, uh, from a social standpoint, from various ways um, that one might approach it. So it was extremely rewarding to do, and, and I'm, I'm glad it's had some resonance with you. What was going on inside your imagination when it was planted inside your heart that, yeah, I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be called True, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson? Well, it's a, it's a great question, Aaron. I will say this. So the Four Seasons idea, that sort of came first. Um, and the Four Seasons, just to explain it, is we do look at four particular years in his life, uh, distinct periods of time. And it's also metaphorically the spring, summer, autumn, and winter of Robinson athletic and public life. And I really like the idea of being able to look at him without necessarily having to go blow by blow through everything that happened, uh, to look at him at these distinct periods in his life, how he's changed, how he's evolved, as well as, you know, it's a very important time in American history and social history and how his environment was different in each of those seasons. So... That concept and the way to tell the story and present it came early on. The title True came through my learning and through my my uh, paying attention to him. And I'll, I'll just, at the beginning of the book, I just have a quick sentence, which kind of explains it, which says that whatever the context and circumstances, Jack, Jackie Robinson remained true, true to the effort and the mission, mm -hmm. true to his conviction and his contradiction. And that, to me really encapsulates what drove Jackie, part of what made him special, uh, what made him able to achieve what he did, and and a little bit of a, you know, a guiding post for all of us in our lives. It's a, to thine own self be true is not so easy as it, as it often, as it might seem, um, but he was able to do that uh, with a lot of pressure and external factors. Putting the focus on the four seasons, I think what one of the things that I feel as a reader and as a, a fan of sports is the fact that we it's, it's you show us the man as well as the myth, because a lot of us do have a myth about, about Jackie Robinson. We think we know, but now we do get to know. Well, like most of us, and, and most, you know, he, he, he's neither one thing nor the other. He's everything, or yeah. he, he's complex and he's layered. Um, and he was different as a, as a young man, um, in, in 1946 and he was as an older man at the, near, near the end of his career and then the end of his life. Um, so, yeah, and, and seeing the way he interacted with people, not just as a player, but uh, people within his family, uh, his wife, who was his, his you know, crucial partner for so many years, um, and, and his dear friends and 
we we see a lot of uh, you know it says a lot about about the man as you put it to be able to, to look at those things. One of the things I've never heard when it comes to Jackie Robinson is I never I've never heard a fan say he used to be he's always been Jackie Robinson the baseball player or the guy that was socially involved. He but we've never used the word he used to be. Yeah, I mean, and I guess that's a tribute to him staying staying active and staying sort of committed to what he was doing. He, he died. Uh, in 1972, at the age of just 53, so um, a life cut short. Uh, but even in that last year of his life, and even to within uh, a few days of his death, he was um, he spoke at a World Series game nine days before he died. He was having appearances. He was he was making use of his time. Uh, so used to be was not uh, not really in his vocabulary, right? He continued to push the envelope and continued to to move forward. Uh, throughout his entire life to create this book and it had to be unlike any other because i know where your heart is is it it, where did you get to go that you didn't think that you were going to end up because there's so much information here that really i mean a lot of us did not know yeah i mean i i had to explore through a lot of different um a lot of different sources uh montreal with a big big portion of it um that year in 1946 which I felt had been quite underreported, uh, the environment up there, which was so crucial to Robinson's development as a, as a man, as a player, um, his emotional development, psychological development, and all of that, as a celebrity as well. Uh, so that, that understanding and exploring that time in Montreal, his first year in, in, in the, that kind of surrounding, um, was, was really a new special thing. And I feel that, that, you know, also getting to sort of travel into the, uh, the apartments and the fish shops and the mm-hmm. sidewalks and the playground of Brooklyn in 1949 was another uh, really Im- important part of it. Um, I, I was able to speak with people who, just as an example, one source, uh, a man named Ira Glasser, who oh. became the head of the American Civil Liberties Union for 25 years. He was 10 years old in 1949 and, the, you know, an enormous Jackie Robinson fan, a huge, huge fan of the Dodgers and Jackie Robinson. And he's open about, and you can see the impact, that his um, exposure to and love of Jackie Robinson in that integrated place of Ebbets Field shaped his career and led him to a life of civil rights. And it shaped many people's lives um, in that way. So these were just some of the areas that I was able to sort of get into and explore that um, I hadn't necessarily expected. You know, it's always an organic process when you when you begin reporting and researching and exploring a book. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the, the part about uh, shaping thing, other, other people's lives and stuff like that, because you do put focus on that where you said that where Jackie changed American business. It, he opened so many different doors in so many different areas. Yeah, you know, it's sort of like, listen, if, if it can work, why can't it work? Yeah. Right? It's work baseball. Why can't it work in my uh, shoe factory or in my, you know, what, whatever it might be? And there's no question. A lot of people spoke, talked about that. That um, it, it sort of, it, it also brought a level way overdue, but uh, of social acceptance. This wasn't the only place where, um, you know, races were working together, but it was one of a few places, and it was certainly the most high-profile place. If you could see it on a platform like baseball, which, you know, as you know, Arrow, and people might remember, in the late 40s and 1950s, baseball was the deal. It was Mm -hmm. a platform uh, unlike any 
platform. Today, uh, the, the other sports that we think of, today's major sports, uh, NFL, college football, basketball, hockey, were not really even on the radio. I mean, they, they, they were, sure, they were followed, but nothing like the presence of baseball. Um, and so in that, to have in that arena this, this happening, this integration happening, certainly affected people and you'd hear mayors in various cities talk about it and point to what was happening with with jackie robinson and on the brooklyn dodgers um as sort of a, a guideline for for what could happen in business and in politics and in society part of my passion for baseball are the old newsreels the black and white film i mean ted williams jackie robinson joe dimaggio they all came from that world where it was all black and white and i remember as a kid when i would start getting baseball cards that were in color i would i would i would shake my head going no 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 no. i i only know the black and white photos did you go through something like that as well a little bit, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I've, I, I, it sounds like you you as well. As, as a, somebody who's worked on, you know, I did a book on Dimaggio. I, I've been in this area before. So that sort of exposure and perspective as a writer, um, uh, certainly, certainly uh, I'd been exposed to it earlier and it certainly came through here. You know, I, in terms of as a fan, I, I'm much more, you know, I grew up in the world of color, and, and so it, it was a visit back to the past to go there. But one thing that was interesting as you talk about it is that for kids in those days, and you often hear people say, oh, my God, when I first walked out onto a, onto a major league stadium, when I came up out of runway and saw all that green grass, yeah. and the <laughs> oh, my God. And it's experience that people, it never leaves them. And think about it in a time when, there was no color TV or color in the movies or anything. And particularly if you lived in the city, you might never see a stretch of grass that green and that open anywhere. Um, so it was even more acute for those kids coming to Ebbets Field or Yankee Stadium or, or the Polo Grounds or any number of other parks in the in, in America to to see to come into the bright color and, and beauty of, of a baseball diamond and, and stadium. I mean, just just to walk into any field is is a, like a little child's dream come true. I mean, I, I'll never forget when walking into Wrigley Stadium, and of course, I had to look to see where Sammy Sosa was. I because I, and, and that's what I love. I look for the wall. I look for the first baseline. I look for Sammy Sosa. Now I look for food. I mean, there is, is, there's there's such a love affair with baseball. Yeah, there's no question. It's great to hear you. You know, you have your experience, and probably anybody who's been touched by baseball has their own particular experience in the same sort of vein, right? Uh, what you feel when you come out and look there, and and uh, boy, Wrigley Field is a great place to have that that memory of and have that uh, you know relationship with because it's it's a beautiful park. But yeah, I mean, you know, for for all the talk about hey, there's so much more attention on football these days, and there certainly is, and there's certainly a lot more money gambled on football. That's that's one of the biggest reasons for all the popularity. But there's nothing like walking out into a baseball stadium getting yourself a bag of peanuts or a Coke or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And there's something about hot dogs too. I mean, I, I don't know what it is about baseball park hot dogs. <laughs> a hot dog at, Chase, uh, at, at, a ball, at a ballpark is better than a flaming <laughs> The times were changing in the days of, of, of Jackie Robinson. Were the other legends of baseball at that time receiving Jackie Robinson in the way of celebrating what was taking place or were they a little jealous that he was getting so much attention so it's, it's a good it's really an excellent question i think the answer is, is both are true um there are other african-american players um who thought maybe 
they should have had the chance. A player like Josh Gibson, the great home run hitter, Monty Irvin, who did later come up and had an excellent career with the Giants. Um, but for the most part, people were thankful and appreciative and respect to Jackie Robinson. It was almost as if, you know, if you had any hesitation, it's because you hadn't really seen him play or been around him. Once he got out there, I mean, the guy could play. Yeah. And he played with, uh, at an incredibly high level and with incredibly high standards. He was also very, for younger, or not necessarily always younger, but for African-American players who followed him into the major league, he was very proactive in greeting them, welcoming them to the league, supporting them. You're going to succeed here. And then I think, you know, for for um, white stars, same kind of thing. They You couldn't not respect Jackie Robinson, right? If you're an elite talent, you're going to respect another elite talent. Uh, so for the most part, that that's really, I think, the way people felt, uh, especially after some resistance early on. But once Jackie had shown who he was, uh, a lot of that went away. Yeah. One of the I, I love digging up the seeds of and, and the basically the story of all things that happened. Jackie Robinson. And then and then we had Willie Mays and Hank Aaron, Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, I love listening to a baseball story grow forward because they've all got a piece of somebody inside of them when they step up to that to that plate to bat. There's no question. It's, uh, you know, and it's great. The, the people you bring up are, are so perfect. Right. Because uh, Mays was a contemporary of. of Robinson and succeeded him in in sort of becoming the best player in the game. Um, And then Aaron, of course, who opened in his debt to Jackie Robinson and who had overlapped with him briefly at the very beginning of of Aaron's career. Um, And Hank Aaron, who, of course, passed Babe Ruth as the all-time home run leader up until the point of his death just a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, um, had pictures of Jackie Robinson in his own living room. Uh, that's what he meant for Hank Aaron. And then you go to Ken Griffey Jr., and it was Griffey Jr. who, after baseball, had retired 42 and said, hey, nobody can wear this anymore except for the few guys who are active wearing it, Mariano Rivera, high profile among them. Um, we've retired this uh, number. And it was Ken Griffey Jr. who called the commissioner, Bud Selig at the time, and said, listen, on April 15th, which is the anniversary of Jackie coming back in, could I wear 42 just that day in tribute? <laughs> and the first thing Bud Selig said was, that, well, let me call Rachel. And that was uh, Jackie's widow. And he called Rachel, and she said, well, I think it's a fine idea. And so Ken Griffey was the one who got it all started um, to the point where we are today, where on April 15th, every player, every coach, manager on the field wears number 42. Wow. You also wrote about one of my favorite players, Pete Rose, who, who I, you know, I, he made a mistake. He's not in the Hall of Fame. But boy, as a kid, though, the Cincinnati Reds, they, they were the big team and we were the farm team for, for, I think, one or two A baseball in Billings with the Billings Mustangs. But, but you wrote a book about him. That, it's, it's, it's a book that really embraces his story as well. Yeah, it's called Pete Rose, An American Dilemma. And I feel that uh, there is a dilemma at the heart of uh, heart of P. Rose, which you you know briefly and, and quite accurately articulated right here. Um, I don't see how you could, as a baseball fan, do anything but admire and respect and love the way that he played baseball and the commitment and attention that he gave to the game and the joy with which he played baseball. Quite frankly, right? There really hasn't been other players like him. Very very few. Um, and even Bart Giamatti, the commissioner who ultimately presided over um, Rose's banishment, absolutely loved Pete Rose as a baseball player, a baseball fan would. 
But Pete made some, you know, the dilemma is that he made some really bad mistakes. Um, and it's not just me saying, hey, Arrow, what about 25 bucks on the game tonight? You know, mm-hmm. he owed more than half a million bucks to Benny from Staten Island. Wow. And he had a long character in a baseball clubhouse, and it was a danger to the sport, despite being told not to do it again and again. So it's more than just, hey, he made a little mistake. He, he definitely was a threat to the integrity of the game. So I think those are the things we balance. Right. Those are the things that in our evaluation of him um, and, and we think about. But I completely understand anybody growing up around that time, seeing Pete Rose and feeling nothing but affection, admiration, um, inspiration from the way that he played. Oh, my God. We just learned how to do the pepper slide, except don't do it at home plate, man. There's too many people down there that you can bump into. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next on your plate because i know this is this is not your final book you've got a lot going on dude well thank you uh yeah i, I actually don't have a i have a couple things rattling around in my uh alleged brain but uh i don't have a haven't settled on a topic just yet um I, i'm not i'm not done but i don't have the the next one quite ready to quite nail down. Well, we needed this book about Jackie Robinson because we need someone to share the story so that we don't forget the story. And, and you really do open up our hearts as fans, as well as those that are discovering the game of baseball. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you saying that. It's been, it's been terrific talking with a, another baseball fan, another just, you know, fan of humanity as you certainly are. So uh, it's been excellent. Thank you. You'd be brilliant today. Okay, sir. And you. Thanks, Arrow.